Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Welcome to a special hour. If you cannot go, send. We'll explore the response to the coronavirus pandemic by the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. From massive humanitarian outreach to worldwide fasts and the ministry of modern apostles, here is Boyd Matheson on KSL News Radio, 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome to KSL News Radio on this special General Conference weekend. I'm Boyd Matheson, opinion editor of the Deseret News and host of KSL News Radio's Inside Sources. For the next hour, we're going to focus on the topic where you cannot go send ministering in a pandemic. Very pleased to be joined now by President M. Russell Ballard, President of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And President Ballard, I wanted to ask you first, as an apostle of Jesus Christ, what have you learned about ministering during this pandemic period? I think all of us have learned that the Lord was kind in giving us some technology this technology came just at the right time. When you think about what we can do uh, with the capacity to hold meetings by the Zoom system, where we can see each other, we can communicate with each other, and it doesn't matter whether we're uh, where we are. For example, I think it was two weeks ago, uh, Elder Karen and I had the responsibility of holding a priesthood leadership training meeting in Cusco, Peru. So we are sitting in Salt Lake City, and we are teaching the stake presidencies and the uh, priesthood leaders and the dear sisters in Cusco. That's way up in the mountains of the Andes. They are able to ask us questions and we're able to answer those questions. We had Brother Pacera with us also. I think technology and the capacity, particularly the Zoom capacity, where you can be 10,000 miles apart, but yet in the same room, it's remarkable. Now, people ask me, is it the same? And I said, well, there is something missing. And what is, I miss is being able to shake hands and embrace and bless uh, the members of the church face to face. That is uh, that is a great void for me. But the fact that I can't do that, but now can still 
visit with him and teach him is a miracle. President Ballard, you have a great connection to history and the history of the church. You've seen the growth. You've seen it start from small places. How has the Lord's hand enabled the word and the gospel of Jesus Christ to be sent across the country and around the world? And in my lifetime alone, to see what has happened as the church has grown and moved out across the world, right with that have come the necessary inventions in order to make it possible. When we moved away from the United States, there, you know, the ships were by sea. And I went to England as a missionary on the Queen Elizabeth. That was five days. Shortly thereafter, we we start moving out, comes the airplane, piston-engined airplane. And then, because we got to go further and faster, comes a jet airplane. And when you think, even from the beginning, when Joseph and Hiram established the church, it was on horseback and buggy. And then, because it starts to move along, Henry Ford decides he can figure out how to make an engine and put some wheels on it. And, and he called it a car, an automobile. And then that technology has gone forward, and uh, now we're become international. We have to, we have to be able to go faster and further, and so the airplane comes. So the Lord has just to give revelation as His whole process of the restoration, and I think you'll find that it almost will parallel the needs for the brethren and the sisters to get around the world. To build the kingdom of God, the technology became available for us to do it. Now we're in a pandemic, and we can't move out. So what do we do? We go up to the fifth floor, and we sit down, and we're in the room in Cusco. And three of us, Elder Karen and Sarah and I, hold a priesthood leadership training meeting. We meet with the sisters. We meet with the missionaries, and we don't leave the building. The Lord's been pretty good to us to help us keep our arms around his kingdom by giving us technology almost in parallel for the needs and the growth of the church. Finally, President Ballard, I wanted to ask you, in the midst of this pandemic, you've drawn strength from history, from church history, from your personal history. What are the lessons we should learn looking back that will help us in the present and help us press forward into the future? I think our history, you can go back really uh, to the life and ministry of the Savior. And um, those who chose to believe him, and those who chose to follow him, even though they faced all kinds of adversity and difficulties, kept trudging on. I think a great example of that is Paul the Apostle. Now, Paul, his ministry, uh, he was out and about, and he went through some tough times. <laughs> I think all of us have had tough times. I've been assigned to certain parts of the world and had uh, assignments which, to be candid, uh, I wasn't sure how I was going to be able to fulfill. But when I finally get there, the, the Lord opens the window and makes it possible for us to do what we uh, need to do. So I, it all comes back down, in my judgment, to an unwavering um through and through belief that Jesus is the Christ, that he is the Savior and Redeemer of the world, and that this is his church, and that he's watching over it. 
And if we have the uh, difficulties, we never lose sight of that. And some way, somehow, He helps us through. And when people are anchored to that, uh, whether it's a health challenge or it's an economic challenge or it's a domestic challenge, the ultimate peace, the ultimate answers come by anchoring and staying with the thoughts in our heart for the love the Lord has for us. Those who are lonely, those who are struggling, those who are who are having difficulty dealing with life, the greatest gift, the greatest thing that any one of us could share with them would be to reinforce there is a God. He is our Father. He has His beloved Son who is the Savior and Redeemer of the world, and they are there. And when things get difficult and you wonder whether you're going to make it, turn to them. The Lord has declared, if you'll you'll turn to me, I'll help you carry your burden. And I'm a witness that that is true. In my own personal life and my ministry, I've seen that repeated time after time. Thank you, President Ballard. Wonderful perspective, great insight, and important things for all of us to do. Coming up next, we'll be joined by Elder Jeffrey R. Holland of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles as we look at how do we send and how do we minister in a very weary world. Stay with us on KSL News Radio. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. This is special programming. If you cannot go, send. Listen to host Boyd Matheson weekdays from 11 till 12, back here on KSL News Radio. Welcome back to KSL News Radio. I'm Boyd Matheson, opinion editor of the Deseret News. It's great to be with you on this special conference weekend, our program where you cannot go, send, ministering in a pandemic. We're very pleased to be joined now by Elder Jeffrey R. Holland of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Elder Holland, thanks for making time for us today. Thank you. I'm delighted to be with you, Boyd. Really, thanks. Uh, This has obviously been a a very interesting 2020 uh, for so many of us. And the thing we wanted to get to today uh, is this whole essence of ministering. And so first, what, uh, what have you learned about ministering in the midst of this pandemic? Well, uh, probably the first thing that comes to mind, uh, Boyd, is uh, that it's underscored the the need uh, for ministering. You know, when things are pleasant, when things are easy, convenient communication and quick travel and uh, a lot of face-to-face activity and opportunity, 
I don't know whether we think that much about it. It's kind of routine, and we we help other people or we're with other people, serve where we can. But when a lot of that's cut off, when a lot of that's limited, you kind of think about it a different way. Uh, uh, travel is restricted. Certainly, certainly uh, flights, for example, have been restricted. That's restricted my ministry. But even local travel is sort of sometimes discouraged, and certainly groups' activities have been discouraged. It's just, you know, the normal, routine, run-of-the-mill things that let us be with people have been uh, foreclosed on us. We we just haven't been able to do that as easily. So probably the, the big takeaway for me is uh, that it's made me realize how important it is to minister and not take it for granted and uh, that uh, when when times are difficult, there's a greater need than ever. People are more vulnerable. The the elderly, uh, uh, those that are maybe shut in for some reason or another, those who may be struggling economically, and then you add an economic challenge, it just kind of intensifies yeah. uh, some of the need for ministering. So uh, I, I feel like I've had a real education in it, and it's uh, it's been a good education. Yeah. So tell me, how, how has that uh, changed your apostolic ministry? Well, I mentioned that we don't we don't travel yet. It's been, you know, going on, what, six months since uh, we've been able to get on an airplane and go right. anywhere. That's what we usually do. That's our that's our big ministry, and I guess with a capital M. So it's affected me that way that we don't we don't get out. We're doing more by telecommunication, by broadcasts, and uh, so we're finding ways to to teach and testify, but we're not out personally, and that's that's affected me, and it's made me think more locally. Yeah. Uh, the old adage is that all all politics are local. <laughs> uh, I, I think we've probably learned maybe that all ministering is is local, and I've I've learned to do a little more nearby and in my own uh, neighborhood and and locale, uh, as opposed to you know what's happening halfway around the world. And that's not all bad to remember yeah. the the needs uh, in my immediate neighborhood. Uh, I, I I love that. I I think there are. Since uh, the focus on ministering has come out, I think many in the church have struggled, you know, if this is still another checklist kind of program, as opposed to ministering being a, a way of being and following the Savior, uh, trying to have conversations that are different, that are not about people on a list. Uh, but if you're taking care of a, of an aging parent, that's that's ministering. If you're helping a, a, a neighbor in need, that's ministering. If you're talking to a friend, uh, who's struggling at work? That's ministering. Or if you're a, a young person and you you bring someone into your you, your group at lunch, that's ministering. Do we need to think a little differently about our ministering in the church so it's not a checklist? Sure, I think you've just given that sermon. Uh, boy, do we ought to put you on a horse <laughs> and send you around the circuit uh, and have you uh, have you give that speech? Yeah, uh, it, it isn't a checklist, and nothing has maybe made that uh, more evident than this pandemic. You know, I'd like to see all the all the silver linings we can to a dark cloud, and I think that's one of the silver linings. The old home teaching program had a lot of merit. It had uh, uh, and visiting teaching for the sisters, and was was well done by many many people. But I think for years the the prophets, clear back to Harold B. Lee, for example, who who felt. There was a little too much emphasis on the word teaching, that somehow people had it in their head that it, it was to go in and, and preach uh, to people, uh, teach to people, uh, although, uh, you know, 
we can always use good teaching, but but if that's all we did, I, I think those brethren, those early leaders thought we were missing something, yeah. and it was more the ministering aspect. So this change is uh, has almost nothing to do with preaching. We can leave little messages if we need to, but boy, in our day, in 2020, it it's been a real help. It's been uh, brother to brother, sister to sister, uh, with a true ministering impact. And I think it's heaven sent. We'll never see ministering the same way again after yeah. this pandemic. And had we not have it, I think we probably could still be, oh, you know, uh, one foot back in, in the home teaching era and thinking a quick visit to the home with a, a message from the Ensign magazine would do. Well, it doesn't do in uh, this day and age. Yeah, oh, that's such uh, such great insight. I want to shift gears a little bit. Uh, you you have a you have a very special connection to many of the great wordsmiths of the past. Uh, you look back over the years, and your your ability to have this uh, very personal connection. Uh, all of them sent their words in various ways to the world. Uh, sometimes they were by horseback. Uh, yeah. <laughs> some chiseled on plates, and some uh, on parchment. Uh, but over time, they were, you know, those were sent out. They they echo down through the ages. Uh, but in in the midst of this pandemic, what have you learned from these voices of the past that have helped you in in both crafting your own personal uh, message as an apostle and sending it to the world today? Well, that's a uh, that's a nice question, Boyd. Oh, you're the you're the wordsmith. Uh, I uh, I read you to see uh, what I'm supposed to be saying. So <laughs> we got to get, get you out more. <laughs> <laughs> I think all of us, probably every one of us, love a a sermon or a message or a thought or a quote that is carefully crafted and and has the the right ring to it. You know, I, I admire those uh, uh, poets and prophets and teachers and and educators of any era who had the gift to write and leave those messages with us after they're gone that's what we have is uh, you know a memory a, a record of some kind of what they said we're grateful for that record and uh, we all we all respond to that you do and I do and our families do and uh, to use the right word uh, in the right way at the right time is is a real gift I I guess that's what the pro- prophets and poets and people have mastered in in earlier days. But it still makes the hair stand on the back of my neck when uh, when something has just been said that I that I, in my heart I say, "Gosh, I wish I'd have said that." <laughs> uh, somebody said once that uh, our words uh, ought to be so filled with life that when we cut them, they bleed. Mm. Uh, and uh, I, I'm I'm grateful in the church when the words can be that filled with life and meaning and they're not dull and nobody's sleeping uh, when those when those words are given. Yeah. Um, I think it was Edward R. Murrow who said of Winston Churchill that he, he was such a, a master of the language. Uh, he marshaled the English language and sent it into war. Mm-hmm. And at one point, that's about all poor little Britain had uh, for a while, yeah. uh, was uh, they, you know, they didn't have many munitions or hardware, uh, and uh, as they struggled to, to get up to speed, what the, what they rode on for a long time were Churchill's war speeches, and uh, that's always been a, a wonderful example. Uh, Mark Twain said once, the difference between a good word and the right word is the difference between a firefly and a fire. Mm. So those who can 
discern the right word as opposed to just good words. I, I admire them. Those are my heroes. They're, they're at least some of my heroes. And they're special heroes when they're canonized, when they're in Scripture. And that's, of course, what we all look to when we when we want inspiration, when we want to keep going another day or another week or another month. We, we dive into the Scriptures and find those wordsmiths that uh, have such meaning behind what they wrote yeah. maybe maybe centuries ago. Yeah, oh, that's fantastic. Well, Elder Holland, we have we have time for one last uh, question, and and that is, uh, many people around the world are are weary. Uh, there's a lot of weariness out there. Some are worried. Some are struggling. Uh, as an apostle of Jesus Christ, what would you send uh, today to the to the members of the church and to the people of the world uh, to combat the the weariness that many face? Well, gosh, by by coincidence, if you as you ask that question, Boyd. Uh, I don't know that I've done it very well, but that's kind of the heart of my general conference speech this time. I'm, I'm mindful of that. I, I guess maybe that's why I chose it. People are weary, and uh, and there's a lot on people's shoulders. This has had a financial impact. People have lost jobs or, you know, businesses have been reduced in their scope and their income. Uh, it's had a political impact. We see these raging stories in the newspaper about uh, the political differences that are involved. Uh, it's had a personal impact on emotions, and and people are depressed and discouraged. Uh, I guess maybe that's why I chose to talk about it. And one of the one of the verses that I've always loved, uh, that I actually have used in this talk this weekend, and uh, and that maybe addresses your question, are these passages from Isaiah. And uh, I would just share those as uh, kind of a culminating expression about uh, how to face such times, how to see our way through. Let me, let me, may I read it? Yes, please. Uh, from, from Isaiah 40, hast thou not known, hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary, neither is no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint. And to them that have no might, he increaseth strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fail. I'm thinking of the young people who struggle a little bit out there. They're included here too. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. I, uh, I've turned to that verse uh, a lot of times as, uh, as one of many where those prophets and poets we spoke of earlier uh, said the right thing in the right way. I'd, I'd like to be lifted up uh, as, as with the wings of eagles, eagles and uh, mount up uh, with, with the strength of youth. I want to run and not be weary and walk and not faint. I think a lot of people hope that. And I believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ uh, that's uh, that's where we find that strength. Elder Holland, thank you so See. much for spending time with us today. Really, thanks. Stay with us. Coming up next, we'll focus on something the church sends tens of thousands of every year, missionaries. Elder Dieter F. Uchtdorf for the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles talks about where missionaries are sent and how they're ministering in the pandemic. Welcome to a special hour. 
If you cannot go, send. We'll explore the response to the coronavirus pandemic by the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. From massive humanitarian outreach to worldwide fasts and the ministry of modern apostles, here is Boyd Matheson on KSL News Radio, 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome back to KSL News Radio on this special General Conference weekend. I'm Boyd Matheson, opinion editor at the Deseret News. Great to be with you today. As we've been talking about our topic today, where you cannot go send ministering in a pandemic. In this segment, we're going to talk to Elder Dieter F. Uchtdorf about something we always send in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, missionaries. Elder Uchtdorf sat down with KSL TV's Dan Rascone for an interview recently, and they talked about the things that are different now when it comes to missionary work. That we learn to adapt to new times. It is, of course, um, a large number of baptisms which we might have had in the meantime without COVID-19 are in the in the waiting, and people who wanted to make covenants with the Lord have to wait. But um, we learned that uh, even in those difficult times, the Lord provides ways, and he helps us with tools and a path forward, which will build the kingdom better than ever before. We need to learn from this to progress in an even faster and stronger and more solid and well-founded way to establish the gospel. And I think the missionaries, both young and old, have risen to that challenge. You know, the couples are serving by distance, and they show all much faith. They have no fear. When I think about it, um, it comes to me, uh, again, Apostle Paul, who is uh, one of those great missionaries, who is uh, forever one of the best missionaries we can use as an example. Uh, When he wrote to to his um, uh, friends while he was uh, restricted in his work, you know, like we are now in some ways. And he wrote to them, um, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And that's what we're in to today. We have to have faith. We have to have hope. We have to have love. We do not need to fear and we have a sound mind. A sound mind means we use the tools the Lord has offered us in this time. He was not surprised by COVID-19, but he had prepared our ways, our tools, our technology, ourselves, our missionaries to be prepared to use those tools. And I can only say we know that with these missionaries, the Lord's work is in good hands. They are young, they are excited, they are not without challenges. We love them, we pray for them, we trust those missionaries. The First Presidency in the Twelve prays for them always, and we have confidence in them. And one thing I know, the world is better because of them. I have a multitude of messages, emails from people who were found during this time, who found a message of hope, of peace, through those missionaries. And I'm confident that eventually they will find their ways to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and feel the spirit of the gospel in their own lives. So I can only say we're in good hands with them. Dan Rascone also asked Elder Uchtdorf, what are some of the blessings that he has found as it relates to sending the word forth with missionaries in the midst of the pandemic? If we don't learn what we learn now, 
and use it to move into the future would be wrong. We, we're not going back to the old times. We're going back to the future. That is what we need to do. And as we learn, as we go, you know, it's a wonderful thing. And our, our missionaries are willing and able and um, prepared to be just the individuals to bring this wonderful change in our missionary work to pass. And it is, you know, we will, of course, when we can approach each other in person, of course, we want to hug each other. Of course, we want to be close to each other. But still, there will be, there are generations of people out there who communicate by technology. And if we are not using what we're using now and learning to use even better during this phase, to reach out to these young people who are uncertain of the future, who often do not know what what their purpose in life is, and then use technology, the different ways of technology, to reach them and have connections to them in a personal way. And I say again, social connecting can happen even with technology. I prefer, of course, to be with my grandson and great-grandchildren together face-to-face, and I hope this time comes back. But I hope also to learn that we use those means we have now to build the kingdom of God during this special phase. Ministering includes sending what is needed both spiritually and physically. Earlier this year, the Relief Society partnered with a number of organizations and thousands of volunteers in Project Protect to produce nearly six million medical masks. I asked President Gene B. Bingham, president of the Relief Society of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, what is the sending and ministering message this compassionate humanitarian project includes. It starts with an individual. And now we have one individual at a time who signs up on Just Serve, and then they come one car at a time, one person at a time, they sew one mask at a time, and then they bring them all back. One person at a time makes a huge difference. It's like a you're talking about a waterfall. You know, one drop, but when it all come together, then look at the power that those ones have together. Sister Sharon Eubank, counselor in the Relief Society General Presidency, talked about how this idea of sending expanded Project Protect all the way to Mozambique and what the individuals do to make a difference everywhere they minister. I've been amazed at the creativity that happens when people may not have access to medical-grade fabric or they don't have access to sewing machines, but that cannot suppress their good instincts. I just yesterday got a story out of Beira, Mozambique, where the local Latter-day Saint uh, stake wanted to do something for the traders in the market because the markets can be very dense and it's it's an easy place for infection to spread. And the government had mandated that people wear cloth masks, but nobody could afford that and they weren't wearing them. So the stake uh, got fabric and they they asked any family who wanted to help and each family committed to make a hundred masks. So they had a short amount of time, but what is interesting about this story is they don't have sewing machines. So they made a hundred masks per family by hand, sewing them by hand. Both parents and the family and the mothers and the aunts and the little children all sitting around by kerosene at night, you know, making those masks. That's a wonderful image to me. And I think it's it's indicative of the spirit of how people are responding in their communities. And then to see photos of them uh, passing these out to the fishmongers in the market and the coconut traders and everybody putting on these cloth masks. I heard another story about an elderly woman who said she prays over every mask that the person who wears it will have protection. And that was touching to me, that it isn't just cloth and sewing, it's actual faith that's being transmitted. 
Truly, there are many ways to minister and many ways to send where you cannot go. Stay with us. One more segment to go on this special General Conference weekend. I'm Boyd Matheson, Opinion Editor of the Deseret News and host of KSL's Inside Sources. Stay with us. This is special programming. If you cannot go, send. Listen to host Boyd Matheson weekdays from 11 till 12, back here on KSL News Radio. Welcome back to KSL News Radio. I am Boyd Matheson, opinion editor at the Deseret News. Great to be with you on a general conference weekend and our special, Where You Cannot Go, Send, Ministering in a Pandemic. You know, it was back on March 11th of 2019 that the First Presidency and the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles gathered at the Visitor Center of the soon-to-be-dedicated Rome-Italy Temple. President Russell M. Nelson had invited his brethren in the Holy Apostleship to join him for what he described as a hinge point in the history of the Church of Jesus Christ. The 15 Latter-day Apostles stood for a stunning photograph in front of Thorvaldson's majestic Christus, flanked by heroic statues of the ancient apostles. The moment was historic, the picture instantly iconic. It was a breathtaking and soul-stirring moment never to be forgotten. Observing the scene in hushed silence, it seemed to me that the echo of the Savior's charge, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, reverberated through the hall, penetrated every heart, and reflected in many tear-filled eyes that day. For the next twelve months, the apostles crisscrossed the globe, attempting to keep up with our spiritually striving and physically sprinting prophet. Each apostle went, proclaiming their special witness of Christ, quite literally to all the world. One year and one day after that hinge point in Rome, everything changed, or so we thought. On March 12, 2020, the First Presidency and the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles announced that all public gatherings of church members were temporarily suspended worldwide due to the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic. On a Sunday, shortly thereafter, I sat on a couch in my living room as my sons knelt before a small wooden table, a table that my father had made himself when he was their age long years ago. As the boys blessed and administered the sacrament in our home, I looked up at that iconic picture on our wall of the 15 living apostles with the majestic statues of the Savior and the ancient apostles from Rome. A familiar voice, that quiet, inspiring echo from Rome, returned, Therefore go ye into all the world. But this time it continued, And unto whatsoever place ye cannot go, ye shall send, that the testimony may go from you into all the world. In the weeks and months that have followed, where you cannot go, send, continues to resound in my mind and my heart. I've been spiritually nudged numerous times to observe the way the Lord works through and with his servants in such times. For a season, prophets and apostles have not been able to travel as they have in the recent past. But where they cannot go, apostles and prophets will continue to send. As Elder Dale G. Renlund reminded us, the First Presidency and Quorum of the Twelve Apostles are not idle, not sidelined by the pandemic. Nor should we be. Latter-day prophets and apostles are each sending their testimony and special witness to all the world by a myriad of means. President Nelson has sent several videos to members of the Church of Jesus Christ. He's issued an inspired invitation to all the world to join in fasting and prayer and special days of remembrance. General Conference is different than it's ever been. It did not include the traditional large gatherings of members, but was instead was sent all around the world. 
Apostles have posted videos, written messages on social media, participated in Zoom meetings, made countless phone calls, transmitted texts, exchanged emails, and engaged in insightful interviews. Through it all, they have shared what they have learned, what they have felt, and what they now know. And above all, they have declared their special witness of Jesus Christ. In the meridian of time, other apostles also had crises and challenges to contend with. They, too, had to send because they were unable to go. The apostles Peter and Paul were each held captive for a time in Rome for teaching and declaring their witness of the living Christ. Neither were sidelined or silenced while they were isolated and locked down. They sent. Specifically, we know that Paul sent letters to the Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon. It is interesting to note that the principles, doctrines, teaching, and testimony the ancient apostles sent in these letters compromise four of the New Testament's 27 books. That's a significant portion of canonized scripture sent during a period of isolation. Amazingly, some 2,000 years later, back in Rome, Elder David A. Bednar and Elder Ronald A. Rasband visited the dungeon prison, Mamertinum, which is believed to be the place both apostles were held for a time. The Latter-day Apostles stood outside the dungeon door to record a video message. Along with the video, Elder Bednar sent powerful words via social media. He said, Joyfully we declare our sure witness of the reality of the Lord Jesus Christ. We witness that He lives, that He is the light and life of the world, and the only source of enduring true joy. We gladly declare this witness in this sacred place. The prophet Joseph Smith knew a thing or two about sending when you cannot go. Indeed, some of the richest doctrine of the last dispensation was sent by an isolated prophet from Liberty Jail. Joseph clearly worried about the saints. He wanted to go and be with them, to comfort, guide, and bless them. From his sequestered squalor of a dank prison, he wrote to them his heaven-sent plea for them. Remember thy suffering saints, O God, and thy servants will rejoice in thy name forever. Even in isolation, the prophet was doing what he was ministering. The message sent to the saints concluded with a powerful admonition and promise. Therefore, dearly beloved brethren, let us cheerfully do all things that lie in our power. And then may we stand still with the utmost assurance to see the salvation of God and for his arm to be revealed. The words and witnesses currently being created and distributed to the world by the Lord's servants in this very special season of where you cannot go, send, will be seen through the lens of history as a great apostolic mosaic, a tapestry of testimony, a prophetic patchwork of witnessing words to comfort and inspire all Heavenly Father's children. So in this time of pandemic, the question is not whether or not living prophets will send. The question is whether or not we will receive what they send. Spiritually wise women and men will heed and hearken to the words of Latter-day Apostles and Prophets today. The Savior's words and admonition to go and teach all nations has not ended. For the moment, where you cannot go, send will be the way. If we receive what the Savior has sent through his servants, his promise, Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world, will strengthen and bless us during difficult days and the most trying of times and will enable each of us to send and minister in the Savior's way. I'm Boyd Matheson, opinion editor for the Deseret News. Thanks for joining us on KSL News Radio today. Special thanks to our guests, 
Elder Jeffrey R. Holland, President M. Russell Ballard, President of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles, and Elder Dieter F. Uchtdorf, along with a previous recording with President Gene B. Bingham, President of the Relief Society. Special thanks to Kellyanne Halverson for making it all happen today and for all those who helped make KSL News Radio your place for news. Join us Monday through Thursdays, 11 a.m. to noon on Inside Sources. Have a great rest of your conference weekend. I'm Boyd Matheson. Remember, as you go out into the world today, make sure you see something that inspires, say something that uplifts, and do something that makes a difference. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story, the struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.